And we all know how fabulous career teachers are, careers teachers are at school. They gave me the option of, well, you could do arts, you could do science, or you could do engineering. Thanks. And I was like, but what if I don't want to do any of those? She literally looked at me and said, well, I don't know. Podcast Junkies, episode 62. Welcome back. Last week, in case you missed it, we spoke to the one and only Jason Bryant of the Mad Talk Online podcast network and host of a variety of podcasts all around the topic of wrestling. And he's uh, an amazingly funny guy and I'm happy I got a chance to speak to him. So um, he talks a lot about how he's built his business around podcasting and how he sees a ton of opportunities down the line. So if you haven't checked that out, that's episode number 61. So if you're new to the show, then welcome. This is the show where we speak to interesting, engaging, funny, gregarious. Every week I'm going to come up with a new adjective for fantabulous podcasters. People who have amazing shows and who I just want to get to know a little bit more and want you to realize how awesome they are by listening to us just shooting the BS for an hour or more, sometimes an hour and a half. Sorry. This week is no exception. We speak to the lovely Christina Cantors with her awesome Australian accent, her funny, gregarious personality, and her total ability to laugh at the drop of a dime, add all those things up, and you have one fantastic, engaging conversation. She's an amazing person because she has gone out of her way to show that you need to think outside the box in order to get yourself noticed. And you don't do it just for the sake of being noticed, but because you're going to provide value for the person on the other end. And sometimes uh, because you feel that uh, you want to get their attention and you have something important to share with them, and it could be just you. She's done that to great effect, and you'll hear that when we talk about her about how she met and was able to have an interview with uh, Jared Easley and with Andrew Warner of Mixergy. So it's fantastic, fun stuff, and uh, we laugh a lot, so be forewarned. My interview with Christina Cantors. So, Christina Cantors, by hook or by crook, thank, thank, you, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me on Podcast Junkies. No worries. I'm super excited. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I think uh, it's Murphy's Law. Does Murphy's Law apply in Australia as well? Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and so like what when something can go wrong, it usually will. And I've been finding that uh, that's more often the case when it comes to podcasting. Yes, but it's all about how you deal with it when it all goes wrong, right? Yeah, and I think sometimes it's helpful that you are... I'm having conversations with fellow podcasters who've probably been there themselves so they can relate. Yes, yes, definitely. I can I can relate, relate. I interviewed Janine Ellis, who's the founder of Boost Juice. She's quite well known here in Australia. And I only had half an hour with her and everything that could go wrong went wrong because I didn't update my call recorder software. So it wasn't recording. And she asked if I could call her mobile phone instead. And I was like, well, I can't record it if it's calling your mobile. And it was just a nightmare. And 
we ended up getting started half an hour after we were supposed to. And I was only, I'd only asked for half an hour of her time. So I ended up taking an hour of her time and I just felt awful, but she was very gracious and let me take that extra half hour. But yeah, I was like, out of all the people to interview, it happened to, it happened with her. So. And how did the interview end up? Oh, it ended up going great. She, she was, she was lovely and very generous with her time. Um, but I, but I think it just, I felt more stressed than I needed to be during the interview. So, and I was very conscious of not going any longer than, than I had to, because I'm generally, I'm very conscious of people's time, especially if I've asked for an interview and that just, oh, I was so stressed. I was like, oh no, she hates me now, but you know, whatever. Sometimes these things just happen. You have to just go with it. Yeah. You have to roll with the punches and, and realize, mm-hmm. uh, I think that I think when you when you have those things happen, then when they happen the next time, you're not as stressed because you just feel like things like that can happen. And it's almost like you want to get all those things out of the way early in your podcasting career because then you've seen it all. At this point, nothing phases you. And then you, <laughs> you start putting in little controls on your end to make sure that you never have to fear for uh, a podcast that doesn't get recorded or, or things like that. Yes. you And you learn to go through certain procedures before you start the call. And, and I think it's, it's always a good idea to interview people at the start who you know quite well, so they're much more forgiving. I remember when I started my first podcast, one of the very first people I interviewed, actually I think it was the first interview I did, my, I was recording into my Roland digital recorder and the, uh, what you would call it, the memory stick filled up halfway through the interview and I'm looking at my digital recorder and it's just flashing at me going, you know, memory full. And I was, just, and this, and the guy was still talking and I'm like, Oh my God, what do I do? And I had to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Can you just stop? Um, I have to change my memory stick, but <laughs> he was, he was great though. He was great. So the, the worst is yeah. when it's, and it never fails because they're actually saying that's probably like the mo- the meatiest part of the conversation. And they're just, they're hitting their stride and they're like, saying something that's really profound and you're like ah, I you're like hold that hold uh, that yeah. part. I hate to interrupt I hate to interrupt and then then you go back and you go okay can you just repeat what you were saying and then it's never the same yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is actually your second go around with podcasting right it is your, it is the first was design draw speak yeah so my, the website was design draw speak yeah. and the podcast itself was called presentation skills for design students because I wanted it to be very, very clear from the artwork and from the title who it was for and what it was all about because I thought Design Draw Speak is a bit vague. People may not know what what that is. But then people ended up calling it Design Draw Speak anyway because it's sort of easier to say. And then I discovered the same thing with my new podcast because the new podcast is called Stand Out, Get Noticed. But then my website and branded business is called The C Method and people keep referring to me as Christina and her podcast, The C Method. So I'm like, I clearly I didn't learn from the first time. <laughs> but I think it's very important to have a very clear title of your show because when people are going through iTunes and just browsing, I think having a podcast artwork with my face on it and The C Method, people are going, well, what the heck is this all about? Yeah. Sounds like a medical technique. Yes. <laughs> some people think it refers to, some people think it's related to drugs. You know, it's, it's all open to interpretation. 
Stand out, get noticed is a little bit more clear, I think. Well, what's, what's, what's fantastic about your artwork, and I think there's something to be said about the primary colors. Uh, mine is just like a blatant yellow-orange with mm. the, the font in, in black, um, mainly because I didn't know what graphic design or, or picture to use. And then um, I'm, I'm sort of a, a fan of minimalism and just having things pop out. And your artwork definitely pops out. And, and obviously the title too. So it's almost like they tell you when you design artwork that you want it to stand out and get noticed. And so you, I don't know if that played into your thought process, but you're like, well, I'll just name the podcast that as well. So when they read it, it's almost this reaffirmation. Not only is it going to pop at you, but you're actually going to read it. And it's, I wouldn't even say subliminal. It's overt. <laughs> like I'm going to make you stand out and notice. Yes. What. I'm taking no risks here. It's 100%. This is what you're going to do to stand out, get noticed. Yeah. Um, so you you took that approach with the podcast, but the interesting thing was also that you took that approach in your strategy for booking guests. And so yes. you you realized that there's people that you wanted on the show and that you had to you had to stand out and get noticed. And so you did uh something interesting with Andrew Warner of Mixergy and he was one of your earlier guests on the podcast and that was a really good interview by the way. Um, Thank you. So talk a little bit about what you did with him to, to catch his eye. Well, I, oh my goodness, what was my thought process? I know that he gets a ton of emails. He's a very popular guy. And after watching, I think it was a webinar he did on how to do great interviews, I thought, oh man, I've got to get him on my show. And I thought, why don't I make him a video and... I came up with the idea quite quickly and I implemented it literally the next day. I'm a big believer in once you have an idea, just implement straight away. Otherwise you overthink it and then you start making excuses. It becomes too hard and then it just dies. So the first thing that I did was think, okay, what would he respond to? And because he's very fast talking, he's kind of impatient. He just wants to get to the point. He's like, bang, 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 bang. You know, when he's interviewing his guests, he's like, yeah. And and then what? No, no, no. But what about this? What about this? And he wants to get to the point super quick. So I thought this video has got to be fast, fast, fast paced and get his attention really quickly. So I had an idea to just script a message to say, firstly, hi, Andrew, love your show. I think you're awesome. This is me. Will you be a guest on my show? Boom. End of message, right? And I had an idea to actually keep the to switch out between a talking head video, so an image of my face talking, and then switching between images that related to what I was saying. So I've, oh, it's hard to describe. You, I have to, I'll have to give you the link to the video so you can pop it in the show notes or something. So it's yeah, only definitely. 35 seconds. Yeah. It's only 35 seconds, but I'm showing images of, you know, I think I say, to me, you're like this guy when it comes to podcasting. And I showed an image of Elvis. And then I and then I was like, can I interview you about, I'd love to learn how to help your network explode. And I had a, a moving image of an explosion. And I just kept everything moving in and out very, very fast. And I tweeted that to him. And then I got an email from his assistant saying, hey, we all loved the video here at Mixergy. Mix you know, what time suits you? And I was like, oh my goodness, it worked. And the coolest thing about that was when Andrew came to the interview, the first thing he said to me, he didn't even say hello. The first thing he said was, I've been looking forward to this. 
And I was like, oh, my goodness, Andrew, what is he looking forward to my interview? And I tell you what, Harry, it made such a huge difference to the interview itself yeah. because he came to the interview not with the not with the attitude of, Ugh, here's another bloody interview that I have to do. It was, I really want to meet this girl. She's awesome. I want to learn what she's about, what she's done. I'm, she went out of her way to make this video. And he actually said to me, I've been saying no to everyone. In fact, I'm telling my assistant to say no to everyone. But when we saw your video, I couldn't say no to that. He was like, I had to meet you. Even if it was for an interview or not, not an interview, I just had to meet you. And for me, that was that was incredible. I was not expecting that at all. So it, it really makes a massive difference, hugely beneficial. There's so many takeaways in there. Um, something about acting uh, on your impulse and the realization that you needed to do something different, not overthinking it because you said you had to do it right away because if you think about it too long, you're saying, well, I got to make this Hollywood production and I got to make it look good. I got to you know, put on a nice outfit and <laughs> yeah. all these things about looking good for the camera. But what you did was almost, uh, it sounded the way you were describing it is like you created a, like a movie trailer for what, this is what the episode is going to be like, you know? And, <laughs> and so, That's like, an interesting way of looking at yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a coming attraction for when, once you're on the show, this will happen. And it's like all these things, because everyone knows like movie trailers are the best part of the movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the best part of me. <laughs> So come and talk to me. It's going to be fun, just like this video. And so, uh, and the, and then, like you said, you can tell on the interview that he, he said he was looking forward to it, and then that colored the conversation. And there's just a genuine warmth to the to mm. the exchange between the both of you on that specific episode. And I think because you went that extra mile and because you differentiated yourself, he felt you almost like he had he, his guard was down a bit. Uh, because I have heard him, and he's been he's been tough on folks, you know, and, and and then folks where he's he's not getting the answer he wants, he drills into that, and it sometimes makes for really awkward exchanges. I'm sure you've heard some of those on mm. on his show, but I think uh, you he knew from the beginning what he was getting from you, and I think um, that really really helped. The you set yourself up for an, an amazing conversation by just doing all this pre work ahead of time. Absolutely, it just builds that rapport very very quickly. And I'm sure everyone who's listening who does interviews, you know that doing an interview with someone who you know and someone with whom you have great rapport with, it's much easier, it's much more, it's less stressful, it's much more comfortable and you can be more genuine and authentic. And with someone like Andrew Warner, obviously he had no idea who I was. If, I mean, I wouldn't have got the interview anyway if I just reached out via email, but if I had and he came to the show, had no idea who I was, we would have had to spend the majority of the interview simply building that rapport. But because I'd reached out to him in such an unusual way, he was already like, oh man, I love this chick. She's awesome. And then he, and then we had rapport from the very beginning of the interview. So it made a, it made a huge difference. Definitely. And so you followed that trend or that pattern by doing something special to get Jared Easley on the show as well. (laughs) (laughs) Look, in all honesty, in all honesty, I could have, I could have tweeted Jared and said, will you be a guest on my show? One sentence. And he would have said, absolutely, ma'am. But I thought, you know what? I love this guy. I want to do something special for him. And I had a brilliant idea because I know, I knew that he likes the Eagles and 
I just started learning the ukulele and I thought, well, why don't I make a song for him called Take It Easily? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but Harry, you know what? I almost didn't release that video. I almost didn't do it because the ukulele I was using was really out of tune and I was playing and I thought, this sounds terrible. I'm going to get so much criticism for this. I immediately assumed people are going to say, man, that uke is all out of tune. She sounds terrible. And then I told my sister, I said, oh, maybe I'll just wait till I get a new ukulele. And she said, well, how long is that going to take? I said, oh, probably a couple of weeks. She goes, can you wait that long? And I was like, oh, no, I just want to get this done. So I thought, you know what, stuff it. I'm just going to do it. And you know how many negative comments I had about the video? Zero. Zero. Absolutely. And Jared actually wrote to me and he said, you know, I really appreciate that. That that means so much to me that you made that video. He said, I'm going through a bit of a, a tough time at the moment and it just made my day, put a smile on my face in, in, you know, more ways than you could imagine. So to me, like I just got a huge dose of the warm fuzzies with that as well. <laughs> so, yeah. and of course we had, we had a great, then we had a great laugh as well when he, when he came to the interview. Yeah. He's, um, is is really warm person and he it seems like he draws these type of people to him um when i we finally did our interviews in person at nmx and we just there happened to be space available there and i think i might have mentioned it last time we spoke but he we beatboxed and rapped before our <laughs> interview <laughs> yeah so I, I think he goes out he he looks forward to things that are different like you said at some point it just starts I imagine getting rep- repetitive when you're asked on all these shows and they all start to blur together and, you know, you get on, you don't realize which ones you've been on you don't realize what you've said. And, and I think anytime at anyone comes in with a breath of fresh air, it's really a nice thing to see. And it, and like you said, it sets you, it sets you up for, um, another fantastic conversation. Mm. Yeah, totally. And I think, uh, it seems like it's something that's in your DNA, um, this ability to put yourself out there. Um, I, I was uh, interested. I listened to several of the episodes. One that I thought was interesting was episode eight, when you talked about how to handle rejection. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a very personal episode. Yeah. So it was uh, interesting. Um, I'm, I wonder if t- talk about a little bit, but don't, don't tell the whole story. Cause I, I like always sending people to actual episodes so we can tease them a bit with, with, uh, so, so, mm. Put a little setup uh, and premise around what happened, and then we'll we'll let folks listen in for the for the uh, the cliffhanger. Well, for those, well, in terms of my the general theme of my podcast, it it's based around communication skills and and building up confidence and to demonstrate. I suppose it's part of my teaching method. I do my own comfort challenges and I put myself out there, and then I document it on the show. And, you know, I do this to show people that you can overcome your fear, you can do things that you were once afraid of. And and then that relates to, you know, public speaking, it relates to communication, you're know, speaking up when you're at work, being able to present to clients if you're a business owner, that sort of thing. And this, I shared this story of how I put myself out there for a guy 
And people, people tend to not do this, especially when they're sober, especially when they're sober. And I was a hundred percent sober and I thought it's now or never, I've just got to do this. And I did something that it scared me more than most things I've done in my life. And, and I thought I have to do this. So I, I went and I put myself out there and it didn't end the way I had hoped. Let's just put it that way. But I learned some incredible lessons about, about rejection and about confidence. And I learned a lot about myself and how I handle rejection. And I share those lessons on the show. So if you've ever been terrified of putting yourself out there in fear of rejection, I would say listen to that because you yeah, you may learn some good lessons too. Yeah, <laughs> is, that, is that enough of a teaser? That's, a, that's enough teaser. It, <laughs> and listener, this 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 episode involves exotic locations, yes. w- winking and yes. tip showing. So, <laughs> <laughs> and some subtle gesturing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now if if that is not, if that's not enough to drive them to that episode, I don't know what what will be. So, in addition to putting yourself out there and testing the limits, I guess, to see what you're capable of and, 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 you know, publicly having these experiments. Um, you also recently attended the Tony Robbins Unleash the Power workshop. I did. I did. And so is this an aspect of you where you're always looking for opportunities to grow and realizing that there's always something new to learn? Oh, 100%. I've actually, I've recently started working with, Australia's fastest growing personal development company. They're called Young and Wildly Successful and they they help young people to live life on their terms, follow their passion and and basically be successful at a, at a young age. They believe that you don't have to, you know, slave away your entire life to just have fun once you're over 50. <laughs> and I've been attending and helping out with their training. They do a lot of personal development, leadership, business courses, and since getting involved with them, I've become much more interested in the whole personal development side and how to master your own emotions. And I met a bunch of people in these courses who, who were raving on about Tony Robbins. And I'd, I'd seen Tony Robbins, but I hadn't been a massive fan of his or anything. I always thought he was a bit too full on because he's a very big character. But then I saw he was coming to Sydney and I thought, hey, this is going to be, this should be amazing. So I jumped on a plane, went to Sydney and spent four days there basically screaming my my lungs out because every 15 minutes you're on your feet and screaming. And, yeah, again, I, I documented this in one of my recent episodes. And and a, a lot of the stuff I learned at Tony Robbins applies, it applies to your everyday life, personal life, relationships, business, everything. And the firewalk, he's, you know, he's famous for getting thousands of people to walk across hot coals. I did that challenge and that's a metaphor for how you tackle challenges in, in everyday life. And it's something, yeah, so I documented that and, and I've been using the lessons that I've learned in just in, in general, just in my day-to-day life. So that was fantastic. Yeah, I, I've, um, I don't have um, any experience with his courses. I did a, a similar course with a, um, someone else um, and we we actually walked on glass. We didn't walk on fire. <laughs> but really? It's, but it's interesting because it's a mindset thing, and I'm sure it's similar mm. to the walking on cold. We, not only did we have to walk on glass, it was about four or five steps. Um, but they structure it in a way I think where it's like the the 
there's like it's like bottle glass like soda bottle um and it, i think they have to structure the glass in a way so it's not a lot of the sharp edges like mm. on top so you're, you're you know you feel the crunch and you feel a little bit of the the sharpness but not, you always got to keep moving right and i'm sure they yeah. don't want you standing there because that's that's definitely how you're going to get burned or cut and then at the end we actually had to chop a, a block um we wrote something about our uh our fears or for some of our fears on a board and, and we had to like karate chop it in half <laughs> after walking through the glass and then you'd split it in two and then that's that would be your uh, your sign wow. that you, you tackled your fear yeah, yeah yeah wow it was a, a life on fire event that's what it was yeah <laughs> but uh yeah well, we, well with the coals i mean the way it is designed apparently it's scientifically you can't actually get burned if you walk at a steady pace because mm-hmm. apparently the the heat of the coals is all in the center and they're coated with a layer of ash that actually doesn't conduct the heat. Mm. I'm just going to ruin the magic for everyone right now. It doesn't conduct the heat as well. So if you walk across it at a normal pace, there's not enough time for the coals to actually burn you. But if you run, you're stomping on it and that's going to burn you. If you go too slow, then it's going to burn you. But if you walk at a normal pace, it's fine. So like you said, it is just a mindset thing and just going, okay, I'm not afraid. I can do this and just going for it. And, and I'm sure that's a metaphor for a ton of things in life and like the, the whole concept of continuous move, continuous, you know, incremental uh, progress is, is really how you see results and not trying to rush to the finish line and probably mm. a bunch of other things that I'm sure you learned during that process. Yeah. One of them is keeping your focus. So they told us, keep your focus up and forward. Don't look down at the coals, you know, keep an eye out for looking at your goal. And focus is a big thing because oftentimes we focus on things that we don't have. We focus on things that we can't do and we focus on what's not working. And where you focus, Tony Robbins likes to say, where focus goes, energy flows. And if you constantly focused on things that are negative, that's where your energy is going to go. But if you keep a focus on what you want to have or what you do have, or what you can control, that's that's where your energy is going to go and that's where you're going to see results. Very, very good points indeed and something that we, I think we all need to be reminded of on a regular basis. Mm. So your um, original training was, uh, education was as an architect. That's right. And then you decided you don't want to be an architect anymore. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I'm curious, and you know, we never know what we want when we go into college, but how, at what age did you decide that that was going to be your major and what were the other options that uh, you decided against prior to sticking with that one? <laughs> well, at the end of high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was one of these people who was a little bit good at everything. So I was, I was good at English, but I was also good at maths and I was good at science and I was good at sports and, and I was, and, and that made it really difficult for me to choose. And we all know how fabulous career teachers are, careers teachers are at school. They gave me the option of, well, you could do arts, you could do science, or you could do engineering. Thanks. And I was like, <laughs> but what if I don't want to do any of those? The, she literally looked at me and said, well, I don't know. It's like, great. So, you know, what? I actually did a personality test. And it, it recommended architect as the number one profession that I'd be good at. And then I cancelled out all the other courses. I basically just went, nut, 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 nut. Oh, yeah, architecture sounds good. Let's do it. And architecture appealed to me because 
you have to be good at everything a little bit a little bit good at everything you have to be good at design you have to be good at knowing the structure of a building so there's maps involved you have to be able to speak to clients you have to be able to i mean in in architecture school we had to research write essays so it involved a range of tasks so i actually really enjoyed the course and once i started working i really enjoyed working and my as soon as I started working, my professional goal was to get registered as an architect because that takes another couple of years or two, two to three years to actually sit your further exams and, and become a qualified architect. However, it was while I was studying to become registered as an architect that I learned what it's actually like to be an architect and I thought, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. So, so. Uh- Staying with that for a minute, um, mm. for folks that, uh, for anyone that's listening that might be considering a career in architecture, what was it about that that made you or caused you to, to pause or think twice? I discovered that it's a you're in a you're in an environment where you're constantly on the defense. So. With a built project, with a construction project, it's not a question of whether something will go wrong. It's a question of when something goes wrong mm. and how you deal with it. And people who are passionate about architecture and they, and they love the whole process, they love problem solving. They get to the site, builder's gone, oh, something's happened here, something's wrong, you know, and and you have to go, okay, let's go back and look at the drawings, let's make sure, let's figure this out. And oftentimes you've got the other consultants and the builders pointing fingers at you. Even if they've messed up, they're going, oh, it's your fault. And you have to defend yourself and go, no, we, I'm holding back my language here, actually, against people. You can can speak freely on this show. (laughs) Really? Yes, of course. So basically you've got people on site going, you fucked up. And you have to go back and defend yourself and go, no, we didn't. We did everything right. You messed it up you fix it. And so you have, so, and you're, you're basically liable for everything that you say and do. And I thought, you know, I don't want to be in an environment where I'm constantly dealing with shit when it hits the fan. And what I'm doing now with my, with coaching and, and speaking and, and running workshops and doing the podcast, it's a much more encouraging, nurturing environment, and I feel that that's much more of what I want to be doing. I want to be in this positive environment where I'm pushing people up instead of in an environment where people are trying to pin shit on me and then I have to try and fix it when things go wrong. So that was a big, that was a big part of it as well. And also I think I – and just one other quick thing. I love the instant gratification as well. <laughs> You know, when I release a podcast, I get comments and feedback on going, wow, that was amazing, right? I send out a video. Like I send that video to Pat Flynn. Seven yeah. minutes later, I get a tweet back going, oh, that was amazing. And I get that dopamine hit instantly. With a construction project, it takes years to to realize that project. And sometimes the client runs out of money and they just pull the pin and then all that hard work is for nothing. So it was that as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because it's it's you think about architecture, and I think for a, a couple of weeks I thought I was going to major in architecture as well when I went to college, and I changed into right. computer science, and I stuck with because you know, I, I grew up and I, I like to build models and I like to put things together, 
and I'm really good at instructions. And um, when, I, when I was younger, I used to like baking because it's it's just the it's just the process of like follow these 29 steps and you'll end up with this thing at the end. So yes. you know, substitute anything you can in between there, whether it's models or or a, uh, a four layer like black forest cake, <laughs> and it's all the same thing. And I, I'm I'm a fan of the service called Blue Apron now, where they send you the recipe and they just send you the ingredients. And then when you're done, you have this like Thai meatball, Szechuan sauce, noodle like dish and you just make it. It looks like so fantastic. And I'm just like, it's easy. Just do these 15 things and put the oven on and, and, it, and they have pictures and they outline the things for you. So, wow, but, yeah, that's great. They must have a similar service, I think, uh, in Australia. But, mm. it's not, but what you were describing is more of this state of always being on the defensive and having to, to defend your work. And it's and it's not as glamorous as what people think. They're like, "Oh, I want to be Frank Gehry," and I want, <laughs> and I want people to to point at those buildings and be like, uh, "Christina made that." And but that happens to one percent, <laughs> if if that if that the one yeah one percent of one percent or something like that. So I think mm. um, I did dabble in construction years ago when I I had a I worked in Atlanta for a half brother who had a construction company. So I was literally on the and it was with masonry. So we would show up and we'd he'd be responsible for getting all the, the bricks or the stone on a building. And so I learned how to do takeoffs and, and read plans and stuff like that. But occasionally we'd have the architect come in and he'd have to describe what he was had in mind. And he's talking to like the construction workers who putting in the concrete and the, the walls and the flooring. And it's, you know, he's, he's got to sit there with his hard hat on and his, <laughs> it's like, no, it's not here. I meant like, you know, this, this line is really a dotted line. This is a window, not a door or something. <laughs> So oh my gosh, communication is so important. And yeah. that's that's why I that's why I started my original podcast for for designers because they don't teach you how to present. They don't teach you how to communicate to non-architects in architecture school. Yeah. And like you said, when you're on site, you're not speaking to other architects. You're speaking to the engineers, to the bricklayers, you're speaking to the guy who's installing the window and if you and and also of course the client who is, is oftentimes not a designer, and they're communicating to you what they want and then you have to put your ego aside and go, okay, I need to give the client what they want and not what not the beautiful Frank Gehry-esque sculpture or masterpiece that I want. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really, really important and it's a skill they just don't teach. Have you seen uh, Gaudi's church in Spain? Yes, uh, in Barcelona. Yeah. Barcelona. The Sagrada Familia. The Sagrada Familia. <laughs> yeah. That is, yeah. as like a, a fan of uh, you know, beautiful architecture, I literally was sat there with my mouth open, just like staring at the ceiling and like spinning around and thinking, of, and, and apparently it's not done yet. And it's like never going to be done. It's I never going to be done. <laughs> <laughs> but I was literally like awestruck by the fact that someone could design something that looks so, it looks so fluid and it looks so like, lifelike and there's not a straight line in that building and it's just it's just a sight to behold and i think one i don't know if it's considered one of the man-made wonders of the world but it, it definitely should be the engineers must have really hated gaudi <laughs> like what do you want here like, more curves <laughs> just chuck it all on just i want everything all the shapes all of them just put them on yeah <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. So, if anyone hasn't gone to see that, please make that one of the first stops when you get to Barcelona. Mm. Um, so, there's this aspect of 
all the, these different skills that you said w- would be needed for something in architecture, which is what drew you to that originally. But from seeing you online and hearing you on the podcast and speaking to you and having a, a couple of one-off conversations with you, your energy level is seems like it's always off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> And, thank you, thank and it's you. and it's really infectious, and I think you're definitely belong behind a microphone as opposed to standing behind a, a, a draft table. So I think you made the right choice. Um, <laughs> thank you. When or how young were you? And I'll and I and I'll have to talk to your mom to to verify this. But when did this aspect of you like? When did it first show itself? This there's this there's this performance aspect to you, or this bubbly nature to you, and and is that something that you remember from a young age? I've always been a bit of a performer, to be honest. I don't know if you could have picked that. But we, (laughs) I come from quite a musical family that was always encouraged. And in school I was into dancing and I was always involved in some sort of music thing, whether it was choir or the musicals or, you know, I did gymnastics and all sorts of things. So I love that creative expression, that movement and, and music. And I, ne- I was never, I didn't really create things when I was younger. In fact, when I was in, in my senior years of high school, I deliberately didn't do any art subjects because I thought, oh, that'll take too much time. I'd rather focus on, you know, science and maths, like the important subjects, right? The subjects that teach you real life skills, not. <laughs> so that was my attitude then. And then, and then for some reason I went into architecture, which is probably the most time intense uh, course you could have chosen. So I don't know what happened there, what, what switched, but I didn't actually start creating things online until a couple of years ago when I actually started a blog, started my very first uh, personal blog. And that was when I actually started being creative in terms of writing creatively. And then the podcast was again, the, the sort of the next step from there. So it's only been fairly recently that I've actually gone out and created my own my own stuff and it's been incredibly rewarding and I I feel like I've become much more of who I am in the last couple of years I've I've learned so much about myself and what I'm good at cuz like I said earlier when I was in year 12 I felt like I was a little bit good at everything but I didn't know what my real strength was and it turns out that my real strength is not something that they teach you in school, which is being able to communicate well with people, being able to teach people well, you know, being energetic and being authentic and being able to share a message. And that that's not something that they don't say to you in school, oh, you're really good at speaking. Maybe you should become a, a coach and help people achieve their dreams or maybe you should become a, a speaker. Like that does that just that's doesn't not, come up. That's not, that's even, not an even option. A big, yeah. That's not even an option. But I, I tell you what, one of my dream jobs growing up was I always thought it'd be awesome to be a TV presenter or a radio presenter. That was those were the two things where I was okay. like, that would be cool, but it's so competitive. There's no way I'd actually the chances of that actually happening are very low. So I went the more conservative um, path. <laughs> and and now look at me. I've got my own radio show. <laughs> I've got my own TV show. <laughs> so it's actually played itself out quite nicely, just not in the way I expected. 
I think it never does. And I'm always fascinated when I have when I speak to people who started in radio and and then I said, Oh, so when did you have the when did this start? And they said, Oh, I knew from when I was like ten years old and I would listen to old radio old radio programs and I would record myself and one guy created a radio station in his in his bedroom with his friends and I was like, Well, so you were cut out for this from early on because if you're doing that and starting a radio station, then you knew and you were just destined um to be on the air so to speak but i mm. think i think the path that you took a lot of times when you finally get to this sweet spot where you're you feel like you're in your element it it's almost like the the journey was worth it because everything that you've learned along the way has colored who you are and even the challenges you you had being an architect and the lessons learned there and what you start what you did when you started your first podcast and you've taken those lessons here I think everything colors who we are in a way that can only allow us to be better in what we're currently doing. And now that you're coaching as well, sort of teaching those those lessons to the people that you work with so they don't repeat the mistakes that you made. <laughs> I agree 100%. You know, people say to me, why did you leave architecture all those years? You know, it was almost a decade of study and work. Why did you leave? And I honestly don't regret any of it because I had to have that experience to learn what I didn't like about something or about working for a large corporation. I had to, and then when I started my first podcast, I started it with that subject matter because that's what I knew at the time. I, there is no way I could have started the C method straight out of architecture because I didn't have. I didn't know people in the online business world. I didn't know people in business in general. That just was not one of my networks. But my networks were in architecture. So I thought, well, I know I can teach students and graduates how to be better at public speaking and communication, so let's do that. And I did that for nine months. And during that time, I met people in the podcasting world. I met, I went to conferences in America. I was living in New York. I was building my network of business people and, and online business people. And when I and when I was doing these videos, like the videos for Pat Flynn, Andrew Warner, etc., that's when I started to get all this attention from the podcasting world, from the business world. And I learned through that what I could offer this particular network of people. You know, I, I began to see the value that I could bring. And that's when I saw, hey, my creativity is highly valued. My energy is highly valued. I can actually teach people this, 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 this. And that's what led me to stopping the first podcast. And I thought, because I thought that's not fully me anymore. I've grown and I'm now at this new point now where I can help a whole new group of people as well as the, the last group of people. But I have an opportunity here to help a different group of people and do something that is really unique. Instead of just public speaking, it's more now about the confidence, putting yourself out there and communicating well. So like, yeah, it's, I fully agree with what you said. Everything that I've done along the way has been the next step to leading me to where I am today. And I couldn't be doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for those past experiences. And what you've done is something that, uh, another guest that you had on, you had, um, alluded to, um, Eamon Abdullah from AppSumo. Mm, he talked, yes. he talked about being relentless in terms of following up with, uh, people that he wanted to connect with. And we're talking four to five, sometimes even a dozen emails 
and and he would continue to to do the work, which I th- always which I thought was really really fascinating. Mm. And I and the important takeaway was at the end of the day, um, everyone's human, right? And and people are willing to help anyone who's willing to put in the work. And so I think because of your skill set and you realized, like you said, that the, the, now here's this one thing that I can do or these three or four things that, that you can do that are around creativity that are different than what other people are doing and in a way provide value. And maybe even initially it's entertainment value at the beginning, but then when they have a conversation with you, you know, they realize there's maybe other ways that you can work together. So I think having that mindset of trying to be helpful, I think is extremely important. Hmm. But the, the funny thing was when I started making the videos, those videos weren't for anyone else apart from the person I was targeting. I didn't have the intention of going, oh, I'm going to build up my following because everyone's going to see this video. It wasn't that at all. That was, a, that was a, an unexpected byproduct. When I made my first videos, all I was thinking was I just want to add value to this one person and made it very specific and personalised to them. And it just so happened that other people saw that and then saw the value in that in terms of inspiring them to do their own creative things. So the way I see it is if you have a creative idea or you want to do something, it, you, you can't possibly predict what's going to happen because mm-hmm. of that. And I have this same approach to any to opportunities. You know, I, I say yes to most things, even if I can't see the immediate benefit of it um, to me. I just think, well, is it going to be fun? Is it going to help me grow? And will there be cool people there? And if the answer is yes, then I just go and then and I just be myself and and go there with an open attitude, and and then things happen and opportunities come of that. So it's it's very easy to not do things. I think that's important for everyone to understand. It's very easy to not go to that event, to mm-hmm. not go to that conference, to not follow up that person, to not make a video. But when you do it, it's the benefits are just unreal and it's surprising and that's the best part of it. Yeah, I heard you on the on one of the shows where you mentioned someone you were coaching um, about how to get in contact with someone and you recommended this approach of making the video and you were getting pushback from them, right? Because they said, well, I, I think they were giving you every excuse in the book as to why they hadn't made the video. And was that the la- Wow, you've done your research. <laughs> you, that was, was that the last episode? Uh, I think that it was an earlier oh, one. I, th- I, I swear I mentioned that on the episode I released this morning. Yeah. You're on the ball, my friend. Wow. Um, <laughs> what I thought was interesting is you, 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 almost, you basically said what you just told me right now, uh, something along the lines, well, what will happen if you don't make it? And mm. it was, it was, I think it was something along those lines, but I think it was just, it's just what you alluded to. Like, um, like really just get out of your comfort zone, you know, because mm. that's where I think that's where we all stagnate and n- not a lot happens there. <laughs> I think you really have to be in an area where there's always this slight tension, this slight bit of discomfort, and you're not like maybe this sense of like, I'm not sure if this is the right thing to do. And 99 times out of 100, it's not as bad as we all think it is. Oh, absolutely not. 
Just listen to my rejection episode for a perfect example of that. I'll give you a great example, actually. I just, this morning I released an episode with James Tew, who is, he's a fellow podcaster, but he switched over to video. And he decided, look, I'm just going to put myself out there and make some crazy videos about entrepreneurship, but make them entertaining and make them in my own style. And he did that. And before I knew it, Entrepreneur Network, the Entrepreneur Network YouTube channel approached him and said, we'd like to partner with you because we think you're awesome. And now they they syndicate his videos on their channel. Wow. And it's just grown his subscribers and views, you know, by the thousands. And he, you know, he wasn't expecting that to happen. He didn't start making videos with the intention of getting picked up by a larger network. He just put himself out there and he's only been doing it for a few months, but he was true to himself and just let his creativity go put himself out there and now look what's happened. And now he's on my podcast, which is probably the biggest accomplishment of his life so far. <laughs> would, yeah, most definitely. I would very modestly say. <laughs> so you I said, don't know where he's going to go to from there. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all downhill from there. It's all downhill. <laughs> so you said there wasn't, um, that you learned, going back to you growing up, um, you said there wasn't a lot of this outward or performance aspect to you or this, this bubbly nature. Um, and it, you sort of grew into that. Um, so I, can I take that to mean that there's no videos of you like with, cre- having created a Spice Girls recital in your parents' base, <laughs> basement or anything like that? Oh, look, I'm not going to say there's no footage. There's definitely footage out there. My dad was quite handy with the old video camera they always back are. in the day. Yeah. I'm not saying that I wasn't bubbly and energetic and performancy when I was younger. I I definitely was. It's I guess when I was, it was after I sort of grew up and I, I didn't sort of start creating my own things until the last few years when I started podcasting and blogging. But as a child, definitely I would put on little performances and stuff for my parents. I'm sure they would be happy to share stories with you. <laughs> Do you have uh, brothers and sisters? I have one younger sister. Okay. Mm. Is she anything like you? She's the exact opposite of me. <laughs> I think that that happens. No, she's she's actually in Bangkok at the moment. She does film work and she's filming an entrepreneur's conference oh, nice. there. Yeah, she does video editing and filming, which is fantastic. And... But growing up, she was the complete opposite of me. I was like the, I was like the high achieving straight A student, and she was, um, you know, I was like captain of everything, and she was like the rebel, right? She was the one who was actually going. She was going against the grain and being like, "No, nah, I'm not like anyone else. I'm just doing my own thing." And since then, I've I was sort of very straight laced and on this path and I've obviously since gone way off the path and I've realized that okay maybe I'm not that person to to follow the status quo and she has actually come the opposite way and come back into oh how do I describe this she went through uh, she went through a real tough time in her life when and she was she didn't really know what she was doing with her life and she got involved with some people that weren't the most um, supportive, you could say, yeah. weren't the most constructive sort of people to be around. And she 
came through that and she's now much more focused and she's done a lot of work on herself on her own personal development and she's come a, a really long way and now she's reading up on property and investing every single day and I'm like oh crap I know nothing about property and I'm going to her for advice on on how to invest so she's doing really really well for herself um and yeah and I'm super proud of her and we're really close now we we talk about anything and it's and we support each other she's she's a big fan of of my stuff which is great she's always sharing my things and she actually started her own youtube channel last year she did she was at falls creek which is a ski resort here in australia we do have snow here by the way <laughs> snow and 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 sun and she created a video every single day for 90 days wow in the first thing in the morning, she'd get up, she'd get the first chairlift and she'd sit on the chairlift and she'd go, welcome everyone, it's the Falls Creek Morning Show, I'm Lizzie Cantors and welcome and today the weather is sunny and she'd post that video by like 10 a.m. and people would actually watch it to see what the weather was like to see if they should actually go out snowboarding or not and that was a huge challenge that she set for herself and she did an amazing job. Um, she's not doing that anymore because she doesn't live at Falls Creek but for the whole season she was she created this show and and that was just fantastic for her. It gave her real focus for that year and um and build build her own brand as well, which has been great. Maybe if you if that's still up, that would be an interesting uh mm. link. And just I guess their performance runs in the family then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with with her it's it's great to because you can watch episode one. I think I don't know, maybe she's taken some of the early episodes off, but you can see how she's progressed from episode one to episode 91, right? And this is something that James and I were speaking about earlier is that when you start, you're always going to be pretty shitty and you're going to not know what to do and you're going to be really awkward and not smooth at all. And any podcast will know your first episode is always going to be pretty terrible. The first few, in fact, it takes a while to get comfortable behind the mic. And with James's YouTube channel, with with um, Lizzie's pod, uh, YouTube channel, you can see how they've grown. But the most important thing was that they got started and they just put it out there and they didn't care what other people thought. It's the same with my videos. Some of my early videos where I was interviewing guests, I look at them now and I'm, well, sorry, when I was inviting guests on my show, I look at them and I go, oh, God, I look so, I look like a stunned mullet. I don't know if you use that term in America. No, we don't, but I can just okay. imagine what that <laughs> looks like. <laughs> Look like a stun mullet. And I'm not smiling and I'm not energetic and the video goes for too long and my editing's not sharp enough. But you got to start somewhere and yeah. you have to learn from these things. Mm. Well, I'm glad we were able to get that um, that podcasting advice from Liz Cancers. <laughs> we snuck that into the show. Yeah, yeah. So are you still a, a uh, CrossFit junkie? Okay, so here's the thing. I've just, <laughs> I've been doing CrossFit for almost three years now and I've decided to take a break because I want to get back into dancing. Okay. Because dancing is something that brings me a lot of joy and also I've, this is getting a bit personal, I've become a little bit, shall we say, masculine in my energy Uh it's come from since starting my own business, of course, you have to, I've been giving out this vibe of like, yeah, I'm super confident, super strong, yeah, yeah. Kicking ass, my business, right? And it's, that's a very masculine energy. You can tell I've been doing a lot of personal development. All this stuff 
has been coming becoming very clear to me. And the problem with being a woman and having a lot of masculine energy is that it can become a bit too much. And when you're when you're in a relationship with someone, that balance can put the whole relationship out of whack. So I thought, okay, what can I do to bring more of a feminine energy to myself? And I thought, well, CrossFit's probably not helping because I'm lifting heavy shit. I'm going, yeah, I'm doing like cleaning jacks, deadlifts, and ain't nothing but a peanut, you know, those sorts of things. And my traps, man, I have traps. I never used to have traps. I have traps now. Yeah, the fact that you even know what that is. I can move my traps. You look at my Pat Flynn video. You could, my traps are popping, man. I was like, this is not okay. I don't fit into my pants anymore because my quads are so huge. Oh my god, that's so, so funny. <laughs> now this is the part. This is the part where I wish it was a video podcast. <laughs> yeah, you should see I'm flexing my, yeah, my massive flex, guns right now. Yeah, Christina's nah, yeah. flexing, flexing her traps as we speak. <laughs> so anyway, coming back to the the dancing thing, I thought, okay, I'm gonna do an activity, do a form of exercise that's. It's more feminine, there's more movement, there's more flow and uh, so that's something I will be starting very soon and maybe I'll start a video blog about that, which I know people might be very interested in because it's pole dancing. So <laughs> I can't think of more was- feminine dance, dance than pole dancing. <laughs> It takes a lot of uh, work, a lot of muscles, specific muscles to uh, to be really good at that. See, I'll be using those traps. These guns ain't going to waste. <laughs> no, I just recently got back into it after like a year and a half hiatus and I realized like it's one of those things if you don't do it and then you realize what you got your, what you're getting yourself into after those first couple of classes, it's just brutal. Like you get home like completely spent. But I didn't I, know you were a crossfitter. Uh yeah, I just picked it up. I just uh this last last week I started again. Mm-hmm. And, How are you uh, double unders? Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> They're more like single, single, double, single, single, double unders. <laughs> You'll get there. Those are look, hard. To be, look, look, to be honest, I, I love I love CrossFit. It's taught me a lot. It's taught me a lot about life. And it actually, it was doing CrossFit that inspired me to start my first blog, actually, because we did a paleo challenge and I, and I thought, okay, the only way I'm going to get through this is to blog about it. So let's start a blog. And that's since evolved into my just a personal blog just about life and that got me started in my foray into the online world and creating content so yeah i have a lot to thank crossfit for it's not just not just these beautiful guns of mine and the traps no i think what it's, what's fascinating for me is uh the humility it it brings because there's nothing more humble for a guy than to be wor- working through uh, a wad or workout of the day for those not familiar with the CrossFit uh, terminology and seeing like three girls like finish ahead of you and you're still and then they turn around <laughs> and then they're the ones cheering you on so you can finish the workout. It <laughs> but, is extremely humbling. Yeah. It is, and you can never, it seems like you never get to the peak because there's always adjustments to the weights. So you can always improve, improve, improve. And it's just one of those things that if you, but if you stay at it, it's amazing, like the transformation yeah. in your body and your strength. And it's functional strength too, This, which is why I like it. It's not just muscles for the sake of muscles, as, as great as those straps look. But it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like, there was one time where we had to pick up um, a, a perfectly round 
uh, boulder. It was, and then he, we'd have to learn how to like pick it up off the ground. And it's just one of those things. If you ever, ever have to pick up a heavy box or how to pr- uh, practice the proper form. So you get it up, we'd have to get it up on, I think onto our thighs and then eventually like onto our shoulders. But it was like this just awkward weight that mm. it's not just like lifting weights for the sake of lifting weights and, and then running. And then I think one of the things they told you is like, if you ever had an emergency and you had to carry a loved one, like, you know, out to safety or something like that, then you feel like I'd be able to do that. <laughs> you know, <and> that's <laughs> yeah. Or, or, just, or even something silly. Like um, I purposely got luggage that doesn't, doesn't have wheels because I, I like the, it forces me to carry it and it sucks when I'm late because then I have to run with that. But mm. otherwise I can, I have my, uh, sometimes a backpack and I have that to carry as well. And I imagine myself in like a CrossFit session because I'm like, oh, I'm <laughs> ca- carrying the, uh, the sandbags around the block. <laughs> oh yeah. And as a, as a woman, it's really liberating to know that you don't need a man to carry your bags for you. I was actually in the airport the other week and I was walking up the stairs and I overheard, I swear, I overheard a girl say to her friend oh this is so much harder when there's no boys to carry your luggage for you and I was like I have never had that problem it's just not even a thing it's it's really great to know and when I when I went skiing actually this this year I was able to power snatch the ski bag above my head (laughs) Because my, I went with my family and my dad was loading the roof rack. And, of course, the ski bag is this long yeah. thing with a couple of handles on the side. And I'm like, Perfect. yeah, this is this is just like a barbell. And I and I just snatched it up and I was like, here you go. Oh, dear. It's Maybe pe- we should stop talking about CrossFit now because I tend to get a lot of shit for talking about CrossFit. Uh, and it's not even my fault. It's because people ask me about it. So I start talking about it and then they go, oh, you should go talking about it again. Well, they can stop listening. <laughs> because I think I what, like what, uh, what people need to understand is that all these aspects of the things that we do uh, form who we are as a person. And even the things that you l- thought you liked at the beginning, the fact that you started architecture the f- and then you, you don't do that anymore or that CrossFit is on hiatus. I think pointing those things out makes someone or shows that someone is a really well-rounded person. And, you know, there's an aspect of you that, appreciated the benefits you got from that fitness and and that you take your health seriously and that you you wanted to do something that was going to have a positive effect on you because you know just the endorphins from a workout that helps you get through a whole day and so i think i think the people that um give you shit about it are the people who probably have never tried it or tried it and like failed and they're just bitter (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying yeah (laughs) and you know there's nothing wrong I i don't think there's anything that I would ever fault anyone for trying and then realizing maybe it just wasn't for them, but at least, you know, they, they had the, the cojones to say, you know, this is something I'm going to put myself out there again in an uncomfortable position because there's really nothing about CrossFit where you, where you're done and just like, well, I feel, I feel so happy. Like, you know, you feel like you're going to throw up (laughs) and you're going to pass out. But then when that passes, then, you know, then the endorphins kick in and you feel fantastic. Oh yeah. There's something about, reaching the end of a session and having that feeling of, wow, I didn't think that I could do that. Exactly. And now I've done it. Yeah. And this is why, this is partly why it's so addictive, I think, because very rarely, I mean, where else in your life do you get that feeling on a regular basis? 
where you view a challenge and you go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I don't think I can do this. But Mm -hmm. then you're forced into it and then afterwards you realise, wow, I did that. Very rarely does that actually happen in real life unless you're me and you (laughs) go out busking on performing on the streets with your ukulele in the hopes of being, you know, rejected. So anyway, or, or, or doing stand-up in New York City. Or doing stand-up in New York City. <laughs> oh, dear. How did that end up, end up? Oh, that was that was one of the scariest. That was, I'd say that was probably not as scary as the rejection thing that happened. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I the key with doing something that is really scary is to not allow yourself too much time to think about it with the stand-up comedy. I was presented that opportunity only a few hours before the open mic night started. And I thought the fact that it scares me means I have to do it. And I was literally writing jokes on, as I was walking to the venue I had no time to prepare, so I just I, I had no time to be scared. So I just got up there and I did it. And actually, that moment was probably the biggest moment of my life where I had that feeling of, oh my god, I just what did I just achieve? Like, I can't believe I actually did that. I can do anything. I'm invincible. The um, with the busking challenge. I overthought that way too much and I was building myself up, building myself up. And the day I decided to go busking, it's street performing, by the way. I realize you don't use the term busking. No, we do actually for street performing. Really? Yes. Huh. Okay. So when I decided I was going to busk, I went out and I got my busking permit because you need one here in Melbourne. I got one the next day and it took me another six months to actually go out and do it. Because every time I thought about it, I thought, oh, no, I'm not, I don't have enough songs yet. I don't know. But in reality, I should have gone out and done it like a week later. So I encourage everyone thinking, what, like if you have an idea, like I said at the start of this conversation, you have to jump on it really quickly or tell everyone about it. Yeah. Tell everyone that you're going to do it and then get them to hold you accountable because otherwise that idea will just fizzle away into nothing and it will never happen. You know, it's interesting that what you said is something that I adhere to as well. Like if that's something that I know is going to make me uncomfortable, I I tend to immediately, for me, that um, elicits a response of like move towards that really quickly before you overthink it. (laughs) And Mm. so so, so I've done that sometimes in conferences. I will literally sit next to the, I know they put a microphone out in the aisles so you can ask the first question and I sit next to it on purpose. So then when they say, okay, it's time for questions, then I stand up and like, Sometimes I barely know what the question is I'm going to ask, but I'm like, I want to either promote my business or my podcast. And I just like, you know, it's Harry Duran from Podcast Junkies. And I'm just like, even that, just getting the word out about the things that you do. Um, yes. And that's in, even in classes now, I, I make it a point or or conferences to sit in the front. Because, um, you know, we have this impulse to like hang out in the back and just try not to be noticed. And I think doing that, getting out of your comfort zone is is really where where you discover who you really are and really what you're made of. Is I agree. 100%. Is there any uh, joke from that night that you you want to share? <laughs> oh, a joke from that night. I joked about New York and how you can get alcohol from the pharmacies, which to me was quite odd. 
Because isn't the pharmacy the place that's supposed to make you better? Yes. You can buy your painkillers alongside a bottle of whiskey and there's and in the aisle when you go to pay, right, there's little bottles of wine next to the bloody umbrellas. And you can go get a, a tubs of Ben and Jerry's from there as well. And I just I just found that really fascinating. Because we that does not happen in Australia. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, that may have changed recently because I saw that a lot in here in California. It's very common. Um, the the grocery store has your wine as well. But I think growing up in New York, I don't know if it was always the case. Or the I know the the supermarket chains. I don't think they sell uh, hard liquor, or maybe it's the line between wine and hard liquor. But I that is mm. fascinating. It's almost like your one stop shop for vice. You for for <laughs> everything. And it's open 24 hours. Yes, which is fantastic. Oh, it's it's great. I mean, you can get anything you want. There was a place near my, near my apartment that delivered cookies and milk until 3 a.m. Oh, yeah. Cookies and milk. What more could you ask for? <laughs> yeah. Well, Christina, <laughs> I, I think we've really covered the gamut here now. You know <laughs> a lot about me. You know a lot about me now. Wow. And the it's list- just all out there. <laughs> and, and the listeners do too. Yeah. And, and I think um, what's great is that all all these aspects, and one of the reasons I really wanted to speak to you is because um, I was drawn to your personality, and I think it it describes, or it's almost like a sneak peek of what people can expect when they listen to your show, because not only have you done your homework um, and gone after the guests that you feel will provide the most value for your audience, but you bring to it a taste of what we experienced in the past hour. And so that whole mm-hmm. combination really is what I think sets you apart and is going to ensure that your, your show is successful because when you listen to a lot of podcasts and I've listened to a ton, you can almost tell within the first 30 seconds to a minute, whether it's some, somebody or, or, or a show that you're going to connect to. And I think that's really important for us to make that connection because mm. there's a lot of competition in the space now. And so I think you're doing a fantastic job and um, I'm looking forward to, to what else the show is going to provide. Thank you so much, Harry. That, that really means a lot. I actually, um, I was speaking, I did a, a little keynote at a, an entrepreneur's fundraising event last week and was chatting with some of the speakers there. And I got an email from one of them the other day to say, it was really great to see that the person online matched the person in real life. And for me, that's a huge compliment because I highly value authenticity mm-hmm. and just being true to yourself and having that consistent image and having that consistent see across, you know, everything that you do. So for you to then um, back that up, that's, that's also, uh, yeah, means a lot to me. So thank you. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's a real honor. It's been so much fun talking to you. You ask really good questions. Thank you. You're (laughs) a really good guest. So where can can folks track you down online? Online they can track me down at thecmethod.com. It's got nothing to do with weird scientific experiments or or drugs. It's just C for Christina. And the podcast is called Stand Out, Get Noticed, which you can find in iTunes. But you can also search for the C method in iTunes, it'll also come up. Sounds good. Well, wishing you the best and uh, thanks for your time again. Thanks so much, Harry. 
So just a quick note, before the rest of this outro, in case you notice the audio quality a little bit different, I happen to be on the road and for the first time in a long time, actually forgot to bring my microphone with me. So this is pure headset into iPhone action. So now that we got that out of the way, thanks again for listening to that episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did having Christina on the show. She's really inspired me to think outside the box when it comes to engaging with potential guests, current guests, and really not being afraid to be a little bit uncomfortable, or maybe even sometimes to look a little bit silly, because I think uh, we tend to take ourselves a bit too seriously at times, and it's to our detriment, and I think it's something that we need to do, get out of our comfort zone. So let me know if there's something that inspired you today with this conversation to get out of your comfort zone. Don't forget, Podcast Junkies is a proud member of Podcastica. I hope you are enjoying our new audio intro snippet. Uh, I, I can't tell you how, how much I laughed uh, when, I, when I heard that first created by Jason and team. And uh, I think it's awesome. And I think it has a really unique uh, spin to our network. And I'm, I'm really happy and, again, proud to be part of it. The collection of shows, in case you missed it is Walking Dead cast, Evil Dead cast, Under the Comic Covers, the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, Once Upon a Podcast, and Game of Microphones, which I'm getting caught up on now. Really fascinating and fantastic stuff for Game of Thrones aficionados. Uh, don't forget to tune into the latest episode of Evil Dead, Episode 3. Rich and Jason are going to wrap up their pre-show coverage with Army of Darkness. It's the third and the wackiest in the Evil Dead series. If you're an Evil Dead fan then definitely check out that new podcast with Rich and Jason. Thanks again to in, uh, to Cedar in Soil. The website is cedarsoil.com, and he's the genius behind uh, my intro music. You can always subscribe to the podcast at podcastjunkies.com. Okay, the retention hashtag for this week, for those of you that make it to the end, and you know who you are, we're going to make it a little bit interesting since Christina's website is called The Sea Method. And I wanted to reference the fact that she actually learned to play the ukulele. Let's go with ukulele method. So that's U-K-E-L-E method. Uh, hashtag ukulele method. I know that's a, uh, a long one this week, but uh, just play along with me. And uh, and put that at the end of your tweets to uh, CJ Cantors and to podcast underscore junkies. And lastly, if you're on a mobile phone and it's easier for you to sign up uh, via the phone, then you can go ahead and send a text message to 33444 with the word Podcast Junkies, and that'll get you started to get you set up and get signed up to our fantastic email list, and people are signing up every day, so I appreciate that. Thanks again for all you do, guys. I really uh, am looking forward to next week's conversation with Mike Vardy, so stay tuned for that as well. Have a fantastic week.